Paul, it is an honor to have you on here today. I'm really interested to learn a little bit more about Remora Carbon. So why don't we jump right into it and get a little bit about your background as well as what Remora Carbon's working on. Sure, so thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO at Remora and we build a device that captures the carbon emissions from a semi-truck. So you can picture our device like a big panel that mounts on the back of the semi-truck right between the truck and its trailer. It attaches to the truck's tailpipes and then it captures at least 80% of the truck's carbon emissions. Then the driver offloads the carbon dioxide while they refuel. And then we take the carbon dioxide and sell it to concrete producers or other end users. And we're able to share the revenue from the carbon dioxide back with the owner of the fleet. So we can help big fleets dramatically reduce their carbon emissions, meet their climate commitments, and then earn this new stream of revenue from the carbon dioxide at the same time. So we have so much to unpack in that one <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Um, so what, what I'm really curious about here is, first off, how are you capturing the carbon? Because when you look at tailpipe fitted carbon capture devices, the usual technology I always hear about is like an electrostatic precipitator, yep. um, which typically doesn't have the lifespan and needs a really high level of frequency of cleaning, as well as typically you run into these issues where sometimes it's drawing more energy than it's actually extracting carbon. So there's, there's technical challenges, which I imagine you guys have solved. So when we take a look at that and the usability and use case application of large heavy duty trucks, how have you guys been able to build a tailpipe fitted solution that works within their workflow and still effectively removes carbon out of the emissions coming out of that tailpipe? So I think what's important is to distinguish is between particulate matter, like the pieces of pollution that come mm -hmm. out of an engine and the carbon dioxide molecules, which are <laughs> contributing to the climate crisis and contributing right. to climate change. Um, so actually no one has ever built a device before that captures the carbon dioxide molecules. All of the catalytic converters, the diesel particulate filters, those types of devices are just designed to capture particulate matter and they actually burn the particulate matter into more carbon dioxide. So we are a complementary solution with those solutions. And in fact, our device goes downstream of the diesel particulate filter. So we're capturing this greenhouse gas that otherwise would contribute to climate change. And no one's done it before. In fact, you know, the EPA basically asked my co-founder to investigate whether this was even possible during her PhD. And she spent years bench testing, then vehicle testing. And then she actually tested the technology in the EPA's National Vehicle and Fuel Emissions Lab. And that's how we knew it even worked to start this company. Um, so she's, you know, a world expert in the technology. Her PhD advisor literally said to me, you know, no one on the planet knows more than her about mobile carbon capture. So I feel very grateful to be working with her on this. That's fascinating. So this this all stemmed out of university research. That's right. right. Awesome. So then when, when you guys discovered, are you guys taking a play on the an old technology and reapplying it to specifically capture carbon? Or was this like a breakthrough discovery that resulted in discovering how you could capture carbon dioxide out of a tailpipe? No, this is an old technology. I mean, you know, just like electric cars, which were actually used before internal combustion engine cars, this is a similar thing with carbon capture. It's been used for decades in power plants. Um, the same technology we're using was used to clean the air in the International Space Station, in submarines, um, and we're just repurposing it to capture the carbon emissions from a semi-truck tailpipe, um, which has never been done before. And what's exciting about that is it means that we don't don't have to do decades of R&D. We're ready to go. Our devices, our first devices are hitting the road in January in just a couple months with some of our initial customers. Um, so it's, it's exciting because it can scale more quickly. So digging into that a little bit more then, if you're taking the reapplication of a technology that has been utilized at the large scale and now shrunk it down, I imagine there's cost efficiencies that 
have to be considered in that process. Yeah. So how did you guys manage or how have you guys explored the economic benefits that the trucking company or even yourselves, because it seems like you may have some unique financing mechanisms available for those trucking companies. Yeah. So how did you guys navigate the cost challenges that may occur when taking a technology that traditionally is used at a very large scale and trying to scale it down to the almost consumer level in terms of relative size and application? I think scaling this down makes it a lot more scalable, um, kind of ironically. So, you know, when you're retrofitting a power plant with carbon capture, you have to spend years of planning and millions and millions of dollars of CapEx to get that system on the power plant. And once you've retrofitted one power plant, to get to the retrofitting a second one, you have to start all over because every power plant is laid out differently, has different types of exhaust. Whereas a semi-truck is the same as the next semi-truck. So we can actually churn a unit off of an assembly line and get these incredible efficiencies as we scale um, where we're able to drive the costs of this modular unit down um, and we can start capturing emissions from many, many semi-trucks. You know, there are 2 million semi-trucks in the US. And to give you a sense of the kind of revenue we're earning, we sell the device for $20,000 a piece. And then when we sell the carbon dioxide that we capture from an average truck, we earn between fifteen dollars and $22,000 per year. So carbon dioxide is extremely valuable. And if you do the math, you know, 2 million semi-trucks in the U.S., that's a $38 billion market in the U.S. alone. So, I mean, this is a really big opportunity. Obviously, there are semi-trucks in other parts of the world as well. Um, so that's, I mean, that's why I think so many big companies have signed up to do this, is they know that the revenue opportunity is just as real as the emissions reduction opportunity. Yeah, and, and you're splitting that. So each truck is worth 15 to 20K annually? That's exactly right. And then our you know customers get between $7,500 and $11,000 a year on their trucks. And um, that means they're breaking even on the device in under two years, which is pretty great um, from a sort of payback perspective. So that's how the justification comes through is you're pitching it as a device that gives you a two-year payback. That's right. And... You know, you're running a fleet hard into the ground. You have this unit on there, which I assume is durable yep. and requires very minimal maintenance. That's right. Um, and that enables you to actually deliver something that not only helps the climate, so it's not just a climate-friendly pitch or an ESG fund <laughs> kind of pitch. Yeah. You're actually delivering economic value while also doing good by the climate. Exactly. Interesting. So how far along are you guys, and what does the impact look like should you guys be successful? Because you're talking about a really large market. What does success look like to you guys and where are you guys on that path so far? So we are still an early stage company. Um, we're based in Detroit, we're about 20 people. And um, we you know, went through Y Combinator, the startup accelerator earlier this year. Um, we raised five and a half million dollars um, as a seed round from some of the top investors in the country, folks like Union Square Ventures, First Round, um, Chris Saka's fund, Lower Carbon Capital. and. Um, now we're basically driving toward our first pilots, which start in January. And we've already signed up 16 different multi-billion dollar companies for pilots, including nine Fortune 500 companies, a couple of the Fortune 10, and some of the largest trucking companies in the country as well. So we're working with Cargo, we're working with Ryder, um, we're working with some other really big companies. And um, yeah, we're fully subscribed for 2022 on our pilots. Um, we're already you know, booking people into 2023. So we're really excited about this. Um, I think we're just seeing huge demand for this kind of technology. And it's because all these companies have made climate commitments in the last year. I mean, if you look at the number of climate commitments, it is literally exponential growth it, you know, over the last couple of years. And um, that is driving people to say, well, we need a solution, especially for semi-truck emissions. And I think this gets to your question about the potential impact here. For a lot of companies, 
trucking is a large part of their carbon emissions. I mean, for Pepsi, for example, they own 11,000 semi-trucks. Um, and for them, carbon emissions is like 40% of their total carbon footprint, or rather semi-truck emissions. And then if we look at the whole fleet in the US, 2 million semi-trucks, we get our device on every single one. That's 340 million tons of carbon dioxide captured every year. That's 5% of the entire US carbon footprint that we could reduce with just this technology. So I mean, it really could have a huge impact on the US's carbon footprint and the world's carbon footprint um, because we can do this around the world. That's fascinating. So I mean, in terms of landscape, has no one else done something of this nature? Are there other companies working on this? What's the competitive landscape kind of look like for for carbon capture from tailpipes? Um, there are not other companies working on mobile carbon capture. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Christina is a world expert, my co-founder, um, and lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I think I think part of the reason is that what we're doing is a little bit counterintuitive in the sense that a lot of people are convinced that electrification is going to be a silver bullet for all forms of transportation. Or if they've you know maybe read the literature and understand that electrification isn't going to be a great solution for long haul trucking, then they under then they think well hydrogen is going to be the solution and. I think the sort of unfair advantage that we have here is my other co-founder, Eric, is a diesel semi-truck mechanic who actually then got his bachelor's and master's in mechanical engineering and went and built hydrogen fuel cell and battery electric semi-trucks for some of the world's largest automotive companies. And he saw those technologies up close and for a lot of reasons became very convinced that they're not going to be the solution for long haul heavy duty routes um, that these hmm. trucks need to run. So happy to get into more detail about that. But I think that's, that's the reason that um, we're convinced that we need mobile carbon capture and maybe the reason other folks haven't pursued this technology. And, and it makes a lot of sense because that was actually my next follow-up question is electrification is the buzzword to use in today's day when it comes to transportation. Yep. You see Elon's semi-truck, obviously should Nikola not have been a fraudulent entity, you know, hydrogen semi-trucks, which from principle and idea perspective, people are excited about it as a future technology that yeah. hopefully will gain mainstream adoption. But there's always a need for stepping stone technologies. And someone who mentioned this to me is uh, Ampere's co-founder, Kevin Nordiker, mm -hmm. um, about how hybrid electric planes is the stepping stone we need before we can even have conversation about 100% electric or even hydrogen fuel powered planes. Yeah. So. I, I'd like to unpack that a bit more because it seems like what you're alluding to is not that just electrification isn't the answer and we need your technology as a stepping stone, but it also kind of sounds like you're saying that possibly hydrogen isn't the solution to long range, heavy duty trucking as an alternative to diesel powered systems today. Can you unpack that a bit more? Sure. And just to be clear, I think we should be developing all these solutions in parallel. Um, you know, we are just worried that the other two solutions we've talked about aren't really going to work for long haul heavy duty trucking. So just to unpack the electrification piece first, you know, the challenge there is that batteries are big and heavy. So, you know, batteries, lithium ion batteries right now are 35 times less energy dense than gasoline, which means to have the same power on board a truck, you need a lot more weight in batteries. And that ends up meaning that you lose 25 or more percent of your payload capacity just to all these batteries. And then you need more batteries to carry those batteries and you get into this kind of, you know, real, pretty significant challenge. So these semi-trucks that are coming onto the market that are electric are like 150 miles of range. That's great for sh very short hauls, um, but semi-trucks run on diesel go thousands of miles. Um, and we need a solution not just for the short haul routes, but also for the medium and long haul routes. Um, you know, semi-trucks, I think, 
are going to require all new chargers um, that are high capacity. And we also need to overhaul the grid, which is still 63% fossil fuels, in order to even make them carbon neutral. And then we need to replace every single truck on the road to make that solution happen. So we think that that is unlikely to happen in the next couple of decades. Hopefully it'll happen slowly for some types of routes. But for others, you know, it's the reason Bill Gates wrote a whole section of his book, basically, you know, saying electrification is probably never going to be a solution for long haul trucking, it's also probably not going to be a solution for cargo ships or airplanes for the same reason. So that's the electrification side. Hydrogen, you know, I think the big problem there is hydrogen is a highly flammable gas. So it's very dangerous to have on board a truck. That means you need thousands and thousands of pounds of reinforcement equipment to even make it safe. And that ends up meaning that hydrogen fuel cell trucks weigh just as much as battery electric semi-trucks. Um, again, my really? co-founder Eric has seen this up close and personal in his experience building these trucks. And um, we just lose the same amount of payload capacity. And then we need to get into, well, 99% of the world's hydrogen is produced from coal and natural gas. So it's right. super carbon intensive. Green hydrogen, which is the actually you know good version, um, has only been produced in pilot plants. It's like eight times more expensive. So we need to figure out how to scale up that production, get a worldwide distribution network for hydrogen, build all new hydrogen refueling stations, replace every truck on the road. I, I just I'm worried that's not going to happen in the next five years. You know, so I think w that's why we're developing this solution in parallel, and we just want to see. I mean, let's let's see which one makes the most sense. I think the other thing I'll mention just finally is if we pair our device with a biofuel or another carbon neutral fuel and then capture those emissions, we can actually make a truck carbon negative, so which is better than hydrogen or um, battery electric ever could do. So we can actually take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere by driving these trucks around. So our device, it's cheap. It's ready to go now. It works with existing trucks and it makes a truck carbon negative. And, and we think that might mean that it will end up being maybe an even more permanent solution than folks might think. That's... That's the best way I could probably end an interview because <laughs> you just touched on every possible question I had planned for today. <laughs> and and I think that's quite insightful, actually. So I guess in the last three minutes that we have yep. together, first off, um, what else would you like to mention to the audience of investors and founders that might be trying to get into the carbon capture space? Because what you guys are doing is contrarian in nature. So do you have any other contrarian viewpoints that might inspire an investor to write a check to companies in this sector, um, meaning broadly carbon capture, or founders that are trying to break into this sector of the environment? Is there a contrarian truth that can edge them along in their journey that you'd like to mention to the audience? And also feel free to plug yourself in any which way, where would you like to send links to um, at the end of that question? Sounds good. So. I think the big opportunity that we're seeing is there's going to be a lot of carbon dioxide that's being captured. And companies are just starting that can use that carbon dioxide in interesting ways. Um, so a shout out 12, which is turning carbon dioxide into laundry detergent and jet fuel. I mean, we're looking at Lanza. They're doing amazing work turning carbon dioxide into fuel. But there is such a huge opportunity for this. I mean, we're seeing companies turn carbon dioxide into diamonds and into vodka. And we need to see 10 times more companies doing carbon tech, working on ways we can use carbon dioxide, because there's about to be this incredible supply of carbon dioxide. Um, and that's what I'd love to see get funded. I think there's a lot of interesting research out there. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for companies like that beyond just putting it into concrete, which is a great technology. And there should be more companies working on that as well. Um, so that's on applications the, of carbon. That's the most exciting area in my, in my opinion, um, in terms of how folks can get involved with what we're doing, you know, people should check us out at remoracarbon.com. Um, 
And you know, if you want to sign up for updates, you can do that right on our website, uh, reboracarbon.com slash updates. That's where we'll share new job opportunities, other ways to get involved first. So that's the best way to get in touch. Um, if you have a fleet that's interested in retrofitting their trucks, feel free to reach out at hello at remoracarbon.com. If you want to use carbon dioxide for some reason in a greenhouse or you know in concrete, feel free to reach out as well. Um, otherwise, you know, uh, I think signing up for updates is the best way to get involved. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are listening on Spotify, please make sure to add this to your favorite episodes and also consider sharing it on social. And if you're tuning in on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a review with uh, your thoughts from this episode. And of course, to also share and subscribe to this show. The Green Room is brought to you by The Impact. There's a free newsletter that you can find on readtheimpact.com, which shares plenty of insights, as well as brand new startups that we're finding that are pre-Series A, which could be opportunities for you, your fund, or potential co-founders to really want to check out and learn from. So with that being said, this is Swarnav Espajari from The Impact. It's been great to have you, and I'll see you in the next one.